Amen. Amen. Well, it is good to be here this morning. Um, I'm excited. I hope you guys have been enjoying the, the series that we've been, we started a couple weeks ago called Who's Next? Um, really just a kind of a, a strategy the Lord has given us to be able to uh, minister to the lost, those who don't know the Lord, as well as those who are hurting, who need a touch from God. And sometimes that's us too, right? Sometimes we just need a touch from the Lord. And we've been kind of laying a, uh, laying a foundation here in uh, uh, the last two weeks, the first week, we really kind of answered the question, you know, who's next when involved in that. Um, then last week, we were really talking about, um, you know, what's keeping me, what's keeping me from asking that question ourselves to ourselves, you know, what's keeping me from seeing and serving those with the love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and there's things within our own hearts that hinders us, right? There's, there's things, whether it's an inadequacy, whether there's fears or whatever it is, sometimes it may be our, our own struggles that we're walking through. But God, man, he wants to bless you. Even if you're walking through a time, he wants to bless you while you're being a blessing. Can you say amen? He wants to bless us. And really with those two questions that we ask, you know, who's next, you know, um, looking for that one, just really being other, other people minded, um, as well as that other question, you know, what's keeping me from ministering? We also ask one other question, which is this, why is those, those questions important? Why is, it, why is it so important to ask the question, who's next? And we told some stories, um, you know, in the last two, two uh, services, I'm not going to repeat those stories, but I want to open up with this. You know, when you think about, you break down time, we're in a time, we're in a season, there's moments that we live in. You know that there are 86,400 seconds in a 24-hour period. 86,400 seconds in a 24-hour period. And I don't know if you've ever seen it. You can go there and check it out for yourself sometime, maybe not right now, but maybe after the service. You can go to, it's called www.worldmeter.com. Dot info, And on that website, they actually give you, it's like up-to-date account, things are coming in, people that are being born, you'll just see, boom, 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 going. And you'll see people that are dying, boom, boom, boom. And when I looked at it, it was an average of about two people dying per second. About two people dying every second. So this is why we're asking this question, why is this important? So the average is, with that two people dying about every second, there's 172,800 people that die every day, and over 63 million per year. That is taken out of, and you can go back if you haven't heard the messages, that's taken out of the 6 billion people who don't know Jesus on planet Earth right now, who need to know who he is, what he's done. And what he has made available for everyone. Anybody remember the, the uh, Christian artist and worship leader, Chris, or, or Keith Green? We'll just show our age right here a little bit, right? <laughs> Keith Green. Maybe you've heard the song, some of the younger generation, maybe you've heard a song on the radio. They've re re done it many times. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. He wrote that years and years ago. He was like from the 60s through the 80s. And he passed away. He died in a, in a plane crash. But he said this. Each generation of Christians is responsible for this generation of souls on the earth. Each generation of Christians is responsible for this generation of souls on the earth. I remember, uh, if you ever, ever remember Lester Sumrall, anybody remember Lester Sumrall? Here we go with ages a little bit too. 
just a mighty man of God in his time. He actually, um, if, if you've ever heard of uh, Smith Wigglesworth, um, the wiggler, just kidding, just uh, God used him much in his, his uh, generation to touch. He actually had, I think it was, uh, um, you know, documented in history that the Lord used him to raise like over 24 people from the dead, many signs and wonders in his ministry. And he kind of take a, taken a, a liking to or just kind of felt drawn to Lester Sumrall whenever Lester Sumrall was just a young man and they became friends and, and he actually, uh, Smith Wigglesworth laid his hands on Lester Sumrall and uh, imparted his, his mantle that God had given him on the earth and he went on to do great things for the Lord. But I remember Lester saying before in some of his teachings that uh, the Lord had called him to another nation. He really felt called like to Asia and uh, he had this dream where uh, he was there and he saw all these people walking on this wide road. And as he looked up the road, just a mass of people, so many people, hard to even count. He just saw them walking on this road. And as he looked up further where they were heading, he saw that they just began to drop off the end. And the Lord gave him a view that they were walking on this road, this mass of people, and they were dropping off into hell. And the Lord says, I'm holding you responsible for these people. And he's like, what are you talking about? Because the Lord had called him to Asia, and he saw that these were all Asian people as he looked closer. The Lord said, I'm, you're accountable for all these people. And he looked down, and he saw blood on his hands. You know, there's this kind of taking this thing that uh, uh, Chris or Keith, Keith Green had said, you know, we're responsible for being able to share the gospel. I know this is kind of, you know, it can seem kind of like uh, sobering, right, when we come in starting a service like this. But we need to be sobered to the reality of what's going on around us. We hold so much treasure within us as believers that the world needs that treasure. They need it. They need it. That's the why behind all this. Why is it important to ask who's next? Why is it important to do self-assessments of ourselves and really say when God asks us to go out and do something, what's hindering me from doing it? What's keeping me back? What really is the root of this thing? So that we can find the root and pull it out and allow that space to be filled with him so we can go out and do what we're called to do in him. Amen. The things that God wants to do, yes, he'll do them in here, but he wants to do them out there. Amen. We bring people in to be trained up so that they can go out and do what God wants them to do. Amen. So we've been kind of like over these last couple of weeks, kind of taking our, our main scripture. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, 2 Timothy 4, 5, we've been taking that and breaking it down. And today... Uh, one of the requests that we've been making, we've been saying, who's next? You know, uh, what's keeping me from, from serving others? Then we make this request to God and we're asking, you know, show me the one. Show me the next one that you want me to pursue with your love. And that's what I want to highlight today. And I want to read this scripture for you. You've heard it many times, but I just want to start with this scripture in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And I'm going to read down several scriptures here. So it says this, if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will experience salvation. And this is what the world needs. The world needs to experience salvation. You experience salvation, the Bible says right here, when we are publicly declaring with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our hearts by faith that God raised him from the dead. It don't make any sense to our natural minds, someone being raised from the dead. 
Everything God asks us to do is always with a measure of faith. But you don't have to come up with that faith on your own. God himself has given to everyone a measure of his very own faith. All you have to do is respond to the faith that he has given you and it will grow. But it says here, this is exciting. Anyone, you know, uh, you publicly declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will experience salvation. How many people in this room or watching right now have experienced salvation? You know that you were changed by the powerful blood of the lamb. Amen. We sang about that this morning. He goes on to say, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It's not anything that you're doing. It's just that faith in your heart that you're believing. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. You know, the mouth expresses what the heart believes. Right now, this morning, you were saying things that your heart, you believe in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Right? That's why whenever pressure comes, when things come and begin to press us down, when we get to that place where it begins a little bit harder, we really find out what's on the inside of us. And sometimes when the pressure comes, it can be kind of ugly, right? You're kind of like, I don't like that. I don't like me. And God don't do it in order to, to like cast you down or to make fun of you or to belittle you in any way. But it is a, an eye-opening thing to say, hey, I, maybe, maybe there's something you're walking through. I didn't think that was still there. There's still just a little bit there. God will highlight that in times of pressure to say, hey, let's just get the whole root out now. Right? He knows what he's doing. He knows how to take, the, take it down to get to the place to be able to draw it out and then fill you up with who he is. But I love that. Then he goes on to say this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The, the Passion Translation says it this way. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be rescued and experience new life. Man, we want people to get saved. We want them to experience the life of God. Where it says, like it says in the Bible, when we believe in him, old things pass away, all things become new. You know it. And it's, it's kind of hard to express when you begin to experience that life. Well, it just gets to the place where, man, you just feel alive, right? I mean, some things are, are hard to explain, but it's just, it's just there. It's almost like the, uh, the blind man, you know, when he, he got, he, the Lord uh, healed him of his blindness and he began to see and... Uh, uh, the, the Pharisees and those, you know, began to kind of like refute him and whatever, just like, well, you're not this, maybe this, whatever, just kind of um, being argumentative with him. He goes, I don't know about all of that. All I know is this. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was an addict, but now I have no craving for that at all. I once felt no love in my life at all, and now I am filled up and overflowing with love. I once had no peace, and now the peace of God passes my understanding. I don't even understand it, but it's a peace that flows like a river. I feel the life of God on the inside of me. This is what we want people to experience. We don't serve a dead God. We serve a live and living God. And I'm telling you, when people ex expect and believe in the power of Jesus' sacrifice, and they confess with their mouth, they believe in their heart, the life of God will come to live on the inside of them by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they'll know. And nobody else can change their mind. 
When you know that you've been touched by God, we want people to experience God. Can you say amen? You got a couple people in your life that you want them to experience God? Come on. He says this in verse 14. But how can they call on him to, be sa to save them unless they believe in him? So there's, we have this great promise. If anyone calls upon the name of the Lord, they'll, uh, uh, you know, they'll be saved. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. They're publicly declaring with their mouth. They're believing in their heart. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him unless, if they have never heard about him, and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? The scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So then faith comes by hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. What is the good news about Christ? The good news is about who he is. He is the savior of the world. What he has done in you and for everybody else and what's available for them because of his sacrifice. That's good news. And we can't, we can't afford as believers um, you know, to go on living life without thinking about other people and without not only just loving on them with the love of God, but sharing the good news of the gospel. You know, like we had shared before, um, there's a lot of humanitarian efforts that go on, and those things are necessary. Those are awesome things. That's part of the kingdom. But we can, we can love on people by taking care of all of their needs, but if we don't preach the gospel, they can still go to a godless hell. We need to be able to preach the gospel to them. What has God done in you? Who is he to you? Whatever he's done in you, whoever he is to you, as he's revealed himself to you, he wants to use you to reveal that to others. We've taught you this many times over. Everything that God does in you, he wants to duplicate and multiply in someone else through you. Amen? Hallelujah. So we've got to go. You know, how can, you, how, can, how can someone, you know, go unless they're sent? God has sent every single one of us. We're still, God didn't change his, his mandate for us when Jesus, before Jesus ascended back to heaven to sit on the right hand of the Father where he is right now with all his power and authority. And he's there interceding for us that will fulfill the great commission that he give, had given us. And that great commission started with one word, go, go. We can't ask God just to bring people in because people aren't just going to come in. Yes, some people may come in. We have to go to where they are. Jesus was a friend of sinners. We've got to be willing to become friends with other people so that we can gain the right to be able to speak into their lives. It doesn't mean we do what they do, but you know what? A friend is one that just is willing to listen and hear. So many people don't have anyone to advocate for them. They don't have anyone to talk to. So many people right now feel more alone than any other time on the face of the earth. Back in the 80s and 90s, there was a statistic taken that, you know, that, that men you know, were saying that they felt like they had you know, three or four really good friends. Now the statistic is this, that most people feel like they don't even have one really close friend that they could share their heart with. That's not what God intended, period. 
And how much more whenever we've got answers on the inside of us. We may not have all the answers, but he has the answers. And as we learn more about him and who he is and he teaches us, then we become even more effectual at being able to help other people understand who he is. They got questions that we should be able to answer and help or at least go together and let's say, let's seek God together on that because I don't know yet, but I do believe this, that God wants us to have that answer. Can you say amen? Are you with me this morning? Praise the Lord. We've got to go. I remember the first, uh, when I first got, I mean, when I got saved, I knew I was called to, to pastor somewhere down the line. I didn't, you know, know all, all the details of it. I just knew the anointing of God was on my life, and I just began to follow him in different ways. And, and I felt like uh, this was whenever I was getting ready to start go to um, Bible college. And uh, I was riding my bike. It's funny because we were living in Kissimmee, Florida. I wasn't married to Natasha. didn't even meet, meet her yet. And I was um, uh, living in uh, Kissimmee, Florida, and it's really funny that I was only like one, one street away from where we bought our first home when this happened to me. I'll tell you in a minute. I was riding my bike, and I went past this church, and I saw on the sign it said this, Revival tonight at 7 p.m. And I felt prompted in my spirit. I was already saved, but I felt prompted in my spirit. The Lord said, I want you to go to that service. And it was already 10 after 7. And I was sweating because I was working out. And it's Florida, man. You work out in Florida, you're going to sweat. So I ran home real quick. I took a shower real quick, and I got there before 7.30. And I went and I sat on the back row. And I'm just sitting there, and there was this missionary. I, don't, I can't remember where he was from. Um, he was handicapped. He had, had dis, a disability in his legs, and he was in a wheelchair. And, uh, and he was given the gospel message and some other things that were going on there. And uh, I just felt this. It wasn't a heaviness in a bad way. I just felt like... I needed to intercede for somebody. And I was like, Lord, I don't know what's going on here. I mean, maybe someone in this service needs to get saved. So I just began to pray. And I, but I never the whole, went through the whole service, and I just felt this, say, like a heaviness of intercession upon my heart. And I said, Lord. And then I'm, it's kind of began to change. It's like, is this not for someone else? Is this for me? What are, you, what are you trying to do? And I said, Lord, if this is for me, are, are, you, are you calling me into the ministry? I said, it. If this is for me, then have him say, I don't usually do that anymore, but when I first started, I said, you know, Lord, if this is you, then do this, right? I said, Lord, if this is really you, I'm, I'm just learning here. Have him say at the end of his altar call, and if you feel the Lord is calling you to ministry, I want you to come forward. And he did the salvation call, and no one came forward. And then he said, and if you feel the Lord is calling you into ministry, I want you to come forward. And I just got up and to be obedient, and I went down, and I, I knelt at the altar, and I began to cry. Because, I, I mean, I was scared, too, in my flesh. I didn't know what all that meant. And the, everybody else thought I was some sinner getting saved because I had hair the whole day down, down here, my bangs and everything. I was coming up there, you know, boom, boom. They're probably like, oh, what's going on, you know? I, and I, I never saw her, but I remember weeping there, and I remember this lady, and it was not a tissue. It, it, I remember the ladies that were there at the service, they had really long skirts. And she had taken her skirt, you know, while I was there and just weeping. And I had my hair covering me and everything, you know, just, you know, boogers. It was ugly. <laughs> and this lady, you know, she took her, her skirt and she went up and wiped my face just in love. And, and she said, she goes, what's going on, brother? You know, what's happening? And I said, I feel God calling me into the ministry. 
And I was ready to go right then. I mean, I was just like, let's do it, Lord. And I was talking to the minister afterwards, and I said, I'll do it right now. I said, I got my Bible right here. If that's all the Lord wants me to do, I'll take this Bible, these clothes on my back, and I'll just leave everything and just go on the streets right now. And he's like, well, brother, let me give you some wisdom. <laughs> Not that God, you know, I'm sure there's people that God has called that way. But there's, when we go, there's things that we've got to learn as well as we're going. But we've got to be willing to step out of our comfort zones. Everything out there may be your comfort zone. It's, it's so comfortable to be in here. And we want to. We want the gifts of God to flow in here. We've had many manifestations of God in here together as we're together and, and just worshiping God and, and moving and, and learning the gifts that God has for us. But out there is where he wants to manifest them. Hundred. And where is it at? 172,800 people per day are passing away. And they need the gospel. And God is sending us. Now, here's what I want to get to. That was all for free. Here's what I want to get to. Can you put up that scripture, uh, 2 Timothy, verse 4 or 5? I want, I want you to get this in you for this whole year. You, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Let's say it together. 2 Timothy 4, 5. Ready? You be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. We talked about being sober, just being sober, asking who's next. We talked about enduring hardship, being able to get into those personal levels of asking ourselves on a personal level, going deep in our hearts and saying, what really is keeping me from seeing and ministering to others with the gospel that he's entrusted to me? You've got a gospel that's been entrusted to you, amen? And today we're going to talk about that third part of this scripture, do the work of an evangelist. Here's the first point I want you to get today is this, there's work to do. There is work to do. We're to do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. We're really asking this question to the Lord or making the request. Show me the one. Give me the next step. Show me the next one you want me to go to. Give me the next step you want me to take. And God is not, he's not required to give you all the steps. All you need is the next step. You just need to be obedient. That's been a big thing in my heart right now, especially with all that's going on. Even in our own city right now, with this, this the uproar among some different churches and some things that are going on and political stuff and all these different things that are happening. I don't want to be right. Of, out of all this, the strong opinions that are going on, I don't want to be right. I want to be obedient. And if I'm going to be obedient, I need to hear what he's saying and I need to step out on what he says to do. Whatever that is, it could be pick up that piece of trash over there. Whatever God, I feel God's telling me to do, I want to be obedient to it. Because the more I'm obedient to him, the more sensitive I'll stay to his Holy Spirit. And I need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, not only for other people, but even as he's guiding and leading us individually. Can you say amen? We're to do the work of an evangelist. Just need the next step. That word work in that scripture actually means this, to toil. There's deeds to be done. There's labor. It's an effect or even considered an occupation. Do the occupation of an evangelist. What do evangelists do? They preach the gospel to those who don't know. Amen. They're, they're soul winners. Man, we got some soul winners in here right now. 
That's exciting. Praise the Lord. What, what if by the end of your life you're able to bring 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 people to the Lord? You know, it's said that every single person, even the most introvert, introvert person, will influence 10,000 people in their life. How much more when we, when we get intentional about doing it? Just by doing nothing, just by being you alone, you're still going to influence 10,000 people in your life. How are you going to influence them or where are you going to influence them to? Amen? Work doesn't happen by itself. You have to focus on it to get the job done. I mean, it would be so nice if work just did it by itself, right? They call it work for a reason. reason. It's not fun. I'm going to fun. Right? I'm going to work. And sometimes work can be pleasurable. Sometimes work is not pleasurable. A lot of that really has to do with our attitude and our mental, and mental thoughts process at the moment, right? We can change those things. Sometimes work's hard. It is. There's, that's why it's called work. I remember uh, we've got to stay focused, though. You know, if we're gonna if we're gonna get anything done, we've got to stay focused on on those who are on those who are perishing, those in our own lives. Think about, just, just begin to think about your own neighborhoods, your own friends, somebody maybe that you've already ministered to many times over, whatever. Just begin to make yourself available to God and ask Him, show me the one. Give me the next step that I need to take towards that person. I remember a story that Pastor Larry gave about Reinhard Bunke. He was over there visiting him in one of the crusades, and I guess they were, this was after the crusade and stuff, and they were together, some pastors were together, and people were talking and stuff like that, and, and Reinhard was kind of in his own little world over here. They're sitting, he's sitting beside everybody else, but he's just looking off into space, and all these other guys talking, and, and then Pastor Larry saw him, he said, Reinhard, what are you thinking about? And he looked over in that accent that he had, a blood-washed Africa. Because he was focused. Focused. We've got to stay focused on what God has for us. Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew 9, 37. The harvest is great. We already found out in the beginning of this series. We're talking over 6 billion people. That's a great harvest. The harvest is great, but the what? The workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more what? Workers into the fields. I remember our, our pastor, uh, Pastor our Arthur, who is our spiritual father. He's in heaven now rejoicing in the Lord. But I remember him saying whenever he was in this one church, whenever he was growing up in, 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 in his faith, you know, and he, he began to cry out. He's like, God, um, you know, raise up you know, a, a, a good, strong, you know, moving with the Spirit uh, children's pastor in, in our church so that they, you know, they can do your will. And he's crying out for God to bring it. And God says, you're the one. The point of this is when we begin to cry out to God to ask him to send laborers into the harvest, we have to be willing to be able to step up and go ourselves. Because I could be praying here for loved ones and friends or wherever who are living somewhere else on the earth. Maybe they're not right around here and they're somewhere else. And I'm asking God to, to send someone in their path. Someone somewhere else is asking God to send someone into the path of their loved one who lives right among us where we're at. We had a, a youth pastor uh, that had uh, just some things had went down and, and, and uh, he ended up leaving the church. It all happened so quick. 
And uh, my heart was grieved when I heard this story. I mean, it was one of the first times I really felt like real intercession. I mean, I felt like sick in my stomach when I heard what had happened. And I just began to pray for him. I was like, Lord, you know, restore him, Lord God. Bring him back, his fellowship with you, Lord God, and, and what you want to use him through in this church. And the Lord said the same thing to me. You're the next youth pastor. You've got to be willing to go when we cry out to God. And that was a stretch. I mean, I, I, you know, I didn't have a, any training really at that time. I just took it to my pastor and said, hey, pastor, this is what the Lord told me. And I, I mean, you're the pastor, so I, I, I don't know what all the policies and whatever's all in place, but this is what the Lord told me. You can do with it what you want. And he goes, great, you start Wednesday. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? You know, sometimes you get thrown out like that. But at the same time, it was all training ground of what we needed. But we've got to be willing to go. We have to do the work of evangelists. So number one, there's work to do. Number two, there's a place that you need to go. We're to do the work. There's work involved. We're to do the work of an evangelist. The word evangelist means a messenger of good. That's the literal translation of evangelist. A messenger of good. Messengers have to go in order to deliver the message, right? I mean, you're given a message. You don't hold on to it. You take that message and you go and you share it. I remember a story of a missionary who was called, and I can't remember exactly where he was called to in a different nation. He was an American, and he was called to a different nation. He went there, and he began to do his ministry and to, and to win souls. And then all of a sudden, he had, he had some uh, abscess teeth that began to happen where he was. And uh, he, there was no one where he was. He was so far in the jungle stuff, no one that was really able to help him. And because of the pain and everything that was going on, he came back to the United States to get the teeth taken care of. But he was so focused on doing the ministry and know that he was called to go and that there was a place to go and that there was a work to do. When the doctor was fixing those few teeth, he just said, take them all out. He's like, what? He's like, take all my teeth out because I don't want to come back because another tooth goes bad. I got work to do in that nation. And he went back with no teeth to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That seems a little extreme. But you know what? When we have a big enough why, things don't seem as extreme to us anymore. When we left to come here, when Natasha and I moved our family to come here from, from Florida, we had a lot of people that were happy for us. We had some people even in our family that, that they thought we were crazy. And sometimes we thought we were crazy. When we thought about it in our mind as we're packing as fast as it happened, because the Lord told us in June and we left in July. I mean, there was things that happened along that line to really get us prepared and everything, but... You know, we're just like, we're packing boxes, and like sometimes we'd be like, we got to be crazy. I mean, this is ridiculous. But in your spirit, it was like, this is right. This is right. And you obey what God is telling you. And he's asking us to go. He said this in Matthew 28. Jesus said, go in my authority and make followers of all people. Teach them to obey everything that I have taught you. You can't teach people what you don't know. And we don't want to just teach people knowledge. And I told you the difference between having a knowledge and that really that experience, that experiential knowledge. If you're just passing on information, it's kind of a, you know, a hit and miss kind of thing. You, they, somebody may get it, you know, praise the Lord. But if you're passing on an experience, you're passing on really, you're, there's an impartation that you're able to bring. That's the difference between Jesus speaking and the Pharisees speaking. See, when they taught, they, they didn't feel so much. But whenever Jesus began to speak, they said, you teach not like our teachers. There's something, there's some life here. There's some power here because he lived it. 
Amen. So there's a place to go in Jesus' name. What's God taught you that others around you need to know? What's some things that God has done in your life, some things he taught you about who he is and what he's done and what he's capable of, how he's shown up in your life? What, what's some of the things that he did for you that he wants to make available to other people? And then who are those people that you can share it with? I remember uh, in 2007, uh, thinking about this, you know, a place to go. Um, it's always that step of faith, and God, he just wants to give us the next step. Sometimes he may give us a couple steps in advance, but it's always going to be a level of trust with him. You're never going to get everything and, and be at a place where you don't need God. God always makes sure that along the way that you're going to need him, right? And that's good. In 2007, the Lord had told me specifically, and then shared it with my wife, and I want to go into the whole thing, but he had spoke to me. He said, it's time for you to go to the next level of faith but you can't do it where you're at. See, we want to go places in God, but we don't want to go nowhere. We have to be willing to step out from whatever it is, however God is leading us, sometimes not even knowing other than just go. I mean, he, he did the same thing to, 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 to Moses. He did the same thing to Abraham. The Bible says he, Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. He just knew that he was called. He just knew there was a place to go to. And he believed in the one who was calling him, and he went. You know, the genealogy of Jesus don't start with, with Adam. It starts with Abraham. You look in, look in Matthew, it talks about the genealogy of Jesus. It starts with Abraham, the father of faith. He's the one who believed God and went out and did whatever God asked him to do without even knowing the full details. Amen? Hallelujah. So there's work to do. We're doing the work of an evangelist. There's a place to go. And number three, there's a message you need to share. Work to do, place to go, a message that you need to share. Paul said in his writings that we literally owe our entire world the message of the gospel. We owe our world. You think like the whole world. Yeah, well, I can't touch the whole world, but I can touch the world that's in my sphere of influence. We owe the world around us the message of the gospel. And I think this is interesting because Paul says three different times in his letters to different churches, he calls the gospel, my gospel. This is my gospel. The gospel that I preach was another thing that he said. The gospel that I have been entrusted with. See, you have a gospel that God has spoken to you. What he's spoken to you, he's revealed to you who he is. He's shown you in your own life the gospel, that good news of what he has done for you. And then through that, through who he is and what he's done in you, what is available to everybody else in your sphere of influence that he wants to use you to minister to, to do the work of an evangelist. So what is your gospel? What has God shown you? What do you have that needs to be passed on to others? Evangelism is the reproductive system of God's kingdom showed that to me this week. The, God, the evangelism is the reproductive system of God's kingdom. This is how God re, re, reproduces his sons and daughters. It's through the gospel. People have to go so that they can hear the good news about Jesus. Then we give them the opportunity to confess with their mouth and believe in their heart. But how will they ever confess and believe if no one ever goes and gives them the message? We have to go. 
I don't want to stand before the Lord and be held accountable for people that, that have gone to hell because I held a message that they needed and they were probably more than willing to listen and receive it. Amen. Doesn't mean you're going to have to go out to, you know, event, you think of an evangelist, you know, you think you're going to be like Chris Michelson or Reinhard Bunke. Well, maybe if God calls you that, there is an office of an evangelist, but he said to do the work of an evangelist. We can all go out and evangelize and tell what God has done for us. There's only three times that the word evangelist is even used in scripture. One is right here in 2 Timothy 4, 5 where it says, do the work of an evangelist. Another one where it begins to really talk about Philip, who was really, besides, besides Christ, the only real biblical example of an evangelist, as he went out and preached and signs and wonders and things were happening, it called him Philip the evangelist. The only other places in Ephesians where evangelist is given of one of the five-fold ministry gifts that God has given to the church to train up the church to do the work of the ministry. Amen? Are you with me? So evangelism is the reproductive system of God's kingdom. I, this really began to sink in me. I read a book um, a couple years ago. It's called Why Revival Tarries. It's by uh, uh, Leonard Ravenhill. If you never read it, I suggest you read it. Um, it's an awesome book. His whole, his whole ministry was around uh, praying for revival and just prayer in general uh, and, and believing he's got a lot of things that will just shake you up as you're reading it. But uh, he had a chapter in there that really brought this revelation out um, to me as, as I was reading it. God spoke some other things to me. And he talked about Rachel. And Rachel, remember, Rachel was Jacob's wife, and she couldn't bear children. And she saw her sister bearing children. And she got to the place where it, it grieved her so much, she began to cry out to him and said, Give me children or I'm going to die. I mean, she wanted a child so bad. Give me children or I will die. And I felt like as I was reading that, I felt like the Lord was like really just putting it on the inside of me. Like, this is the same thing with me. I have placed my seed. I went to the cross to place my seed inside my sons and daughters. And I'm crying out and asking you, where are my children? Where are my children? Where are the ones that you're, you're to be able to minister to and show what I've done in your life so I can do things in their life so I can have more children we've got to be shaken up and this was a generational thing you know every the devil wants to come and he wants to stop and right now i just feel with everything that's going on he's just trying to distract us if he can't get us to stop going forward he'll try to distract us so that we get off course man if we get off course of what it's all about or really telling other people who don't know jesus who he is so that they can come and have the opportunity to find him, we're off as a church. We're off as a body. We're off as believers. Amen? I know, the, I know this can seem like a, a hard message, but it's reality because I'm preaching to myself too. I've been, I've been stepping out, and sometimes it's more, to be honest with you, I'm more uncomfortable on a one-on-one -on -one basis than I am right here this. But I've been stepping out to do more one-on-one -on -one things because I know it's what God wants to do. You can't, you can't share the gospel really without having relationship. Amen. Have that opportunity. So today Jesus is saying to his bride, I died so that I could give you my seed, but where are my children? The British missionary C.T. Studd, he said this, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. 
And I know sometimes people can have their, you know, their hearts and everything else going on other, other places, and we need that too, but it, should be, it shouldn't just be there or here. It should be both. We want to shine bright here where we are as we shine far to wherever God wants to send us. Amen? Praise the Lord. So to do the work of an evangelist, we've got to go. We've, there's work to do. There's places to go. And there's a message to share. I want you to really just, just search your own heart. Even just right now, let's just take just a moment. Let's just search our own hearts. Father, what is it? There's, there's so many things that you've done in our hearts and in, 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 our, in our lives and how you've revealed yourself to us. Maybe it, it says the God of hope. And we know that no matter what, that there's always hope in you. Well, with that revelation, we could go out and help so many people that have no hope, Lord. Just to be able to impart that hope. Father, I pray that you, on every single one of us here, those online right now, that you would begin to remind us by your Spirit, Holy Spirit, that is one of the things that Jesus told us that you would do. You would remind us of all that we have been taught. Holy Spirit, you do this yourself right where you're at. If you agree with that, say, yes, Holy Spirit, remind me, show me. Show me what I have. Show me the treasure that I have in my heart that I've looked over or I've looked past or I've even buried, but it's there. And as you pull out this, whatever it is, how the Lord, your, your gospel, the gospel that he wants you to share, as you meditate on and maul over what he's done in you, you're going to benefit from it because you're, you're, you're gaining the faith and the confidence by remembering all that he's done in you, but then you're keeping yourself available to be able to be used for others. Father, and I pray that for every single person right now, that this is a year that we will take by force. Even as you said in your word from the days of John the Baptist until now, heaven suffers violence and the violent man takes it by force, Lord God. We want to take this area, Lord, by force with the force of your spirit, the gospel message that you've given to us, doing it in love. Father, but sharing that message in Jesus' name. Give us your grace. Give us your hope, Lord God. Give us your peace. Help us to walk in your love, Lord God, that will cast out all fear as we do the work of an evangelist in Jesus' name.